0: Thanks for listening to the Goop podcast, made possible by our friends at Celebrity Cruises. This fall, Goop is teaming up with Celebrity Cruises on a new kind of vacation experience. They're sending some of their favorite experts and practitioners on sailings throughout the beautiful Caribbean. They'll be leading workouts, mindfulness sessions, and spirituality classes on board. Goop is also creating a series of on-demand movement classes that celebrity guests can enjoy on the sailings around the world. And if you're traveling in an aqua class stateroom, you can expect special Goop-approved tools on an incredible in-room fitness menu. Plus, Goop's food director is adding a new clean smoothie to the menu at Celebrity Spa Cafe. To learn more and book your vacation alongside these very talented practitioners, head to celebritycruises.com Goop. hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go.
1: For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow, and this is the Goop Podcast, where we bring together thought leaders, scientists, healers, creatives, and seekers. I'm so grateful to be able to interview these bright minds and share their incredible wisdom with you. And I especially love listening to the conversations that are led by my brilliant co-host and friend, Eric Chitty. Erica is the CEO and co-founder of Loom, and she's been a part of the Goop family since the beginning days. We believe that simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. I'll let Erica fill you in on her guest today.
0: Today, I had the pleasure of sitting down with the incomparable Esther Perel. I met Esther earlier this year at a gathering at Esalen, where she introduced us to her new game esther created a deck of cards that helps people connect with each other it's called where should we begin and i haven't been able to stop thinking about it here's how the game works each person draws a card from the deck and is given a prompt esther created the prompts based on conversations she's had with other people over the years each card asks you to share something about yourself like what's a rule you secretly love to break or what's the worst kiss you've ever had or How do you want to be remembered? Esther and I talked about the importance of play for adults and how stories are how we connect with others. Esther explains how curiosity shakes us out of social atrophy. And we also got a chance to play a quick round with each other. Okay, let's get to my chat with Esther Perel.
2: Hello. Hi, hi, hi. (laughs) (laughs) So nice to see you again.
0: (laughs) It's so nice to see you, too. I feel like it's great to have seen you in person and been able to commune with your actual physical body and then following it up with this perpetual digital (laughs) experience.
2: Uh, It's like we have at least we have a memory of each other in three dimensions.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you today. And there's so many things that we could jump into. But the thing I really want to dig in on is this incredible new game that you've just developed. and the, the reason why I, the reason why I really want to talk about it is because I haven't stopped thinking about it since you introduced it to me a couple of months ago. And I think oftentimes when when people are in conversation with you, we're really digging into kind of our our macro relational experience. but, I know we will get into those components, but I actually wanna talk about your creative process because I don't think that we get the chance to hear a lot of that from you. And so I'm really curious about what led you to develop the deck of cards and and, and, and what's really, what, what, what was the focus behind it?
2: So I, I wake up one day and I'm saying, in the middle of the pandemic, and I'm saying, I miss my dinner parties, I miss my friends, I miss intimacy, I miss the spontaneous curiosity of happenstance, of chance encounters, that erotic dimension of our lives. How am I going to stay connected to that? It's one thing to just talk about it, but it's another thing to experience it. And I just said, I want to create a game. Because play is essential in that sense that it keeps you connected to the imaginary, to possibility, to taking risks, but it gives you a frame to be able to do it. And so I called the team and I said, I want to create a game. And they all looked at me <laughs> like, you know, I know nothing about games, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not actually a player like that, but I know play. So I don't play games, but I play. And I understand the importance of playfulness. And the connection between playfulness and hopefulness and freedom and possibility and risk and all of that and connection. And so I said, I want to create a social game, a game that's going to help us stay connected. That's going to, at this moment, help us with the re-entry process, with the reconnecting as well, after we come out of such a long period of social atrophy. And I was able to bring in the team and to think you know stories. I have worked on where should we begin as stories. Stories is what binds us. Stories is what connects us to people. How do we go about creating a game of stories? And so we had thousands of prompts and then we kind of weeded out. I brought in a little part of my close friends and we started to play and play and play and see which were, which were the prompts that yielded the most Beautiful stories, the most unexpected stories and stories that are told among people who know each other and realize that there is still so much they don't know. And stories that are told among people who meet for the first time and realize how much they can discover and how much play gives you the permission to ask questions and to talk about things within that ritualized experience that you don't get when you go into the linear straightforward conversation. I think it speaks to the power of storytelling. You know, the game, where should we begin, basically unlocks the stories within and and gives you the frame and the permission to ask the questions you don't usually ask and tell the stories you don't necessarily tell. You know, we used to make cards on paper. We we created 10 of them just so that we could hold something and see how it works. And But of course, it didn't have the same texture. I mean, the card game is played with many senses. It's the interactive social component. It's the tactile component. It's your own looking internally component. So it's the eyes, the ears, the senses, the, the hands. All of that is involved when you play in a very subliminal way. You're not busy thinking about it, but it's all right there. And that's why play unlocks and why play unleashes. And unfortunately, we too often think about play as something that little children do and that adults don't, you know, becoming an adult goes with becoming serious rather than really understanding that staying in touch with the imaginative is fundamentally healing, connecting, but also healing.
0: That's what I loved about spending time with you, and where I felt some of the deepest connection with you, especially when we were teaching together, was how playful you are. Because I mean, because <laughs> I'm similar. I'm kind of, you, you know, I'm happy to say something silly or you know, crazy or jokey, and and you're very much like that. And I think. If someone, even listening to you, you know, in the way you move through the world, there is a sense of there's clearly a sense of creativity. But I think the play, you're you're so generous. You're such a generous, playful person, and you know, I think it's something that I think it's something as an adult you forget, you know. And I I definitely have not forgotten, and I think it's been an important part of me healing and moving through my trauma. And I think it's also, you know, culturally a part of, you know, how I grew up, it's like, you've got to figure out a way to laugh about it, you've got to figure out a way to to inject joy in something that is really challenging. And I think, you know, even from what I know about your history, you know, from your lineage, it's like, you have to create joy and play in order to survive. And Does that
2: resonate? I mean, I can't even tell you how much it resonates. I participated years ago with my husband, Jack, in a project that we were doing with theater, working with Chilean torture survivors who had been incarcerated in solitary confinement years on end. And we listened to their stories and we would enact them. But because we were so in touch with the suffering and the horror of it we took it very seriously we certainly didn't want to make light of anything they said and when they came to watch us perform their stories they said where's the humor where's the play i mean you think you think we survived on this you know we had grit we had resilience but we had humor i mean and then they began to tell us situations that were of course tragic comic but It was so important that we understand that what my father used to call, there is laughter in hell. And he also, my parents both, you know, talked about experiences in the concentration camps where they just would laugh because what else was there to do? Either you laughed and when you were done laughing, then you would sob, and when you were done sobbing, then you would laugh because you you lived on such extremes. So this notion that playfulness, staying connected to the imaginative, to possibility, which involves curiosity and ultimately is your sovereign freedom. That's one of the things people can't take away is actually essential. You know, the best writing is written in, often in oppressive regimes, in oppressive situations where people use metaphor and humor to describe what everyone knows, but nobody will name, but we all understand and we laugh at it. And I think that that dimension is sometimes lost when we just want to be transparent and concrete.
0: It makes me, it makes me curious about the card game and people who are in relationships right now. I am very excited to uh, play the game with my girlfriend. And primarily, my excitement around it is because I know that it's going to push us into a place of play and also into a place of repair and exposure these are all things that i think you know in any relationship are obviously kind of important ingredients in your opinion how can this game help people who are currently in a partnership you know is it a tool can it help kind of shake out some of the atrophy that we've been sitting in
2: you know what happens when i create a game it's not unlike what happens when so I have where should we begin the game, but I also have where should we begin the podcast and I have the books. And there is this like, moment when you've created something and it goes out into the world and you thought it was gonna be read in one way or listened to in one way or played in one way. And then you learn, people start to shen- send you letters of what they've done that you never even thought about were possibilities. You know, Yesterday I received a letter from a man who tells me, I wanted you to know I got this game and I took this person on a on a road trip with me. We just met and we basically played the, your game for the entire trip. And we got to know each other and to meet like never before. And, and he writes me this whole thing. I have no idea who this is. I get a, a, a text from a friend of mine. I played with my 17-year-old and it just made for such open conversations. And we discussed things that we would never otherwise be talking about that included... It's hard for me to apologize about or I'm most judgmental when it comes to or an aspect of my of my growing up that I wished had been different is. And, you know, I, and of course, the game gives you the permission to talk about the stuff you didn't like among your parents while you're talking with your parent actually. So. I'm hearing people playing with eight and nine year olds. They take out the the cards that have the pink triangle, but then I'm hearing people who just played with the pink triangle on a first date. And it just allowed all the questions you would want to know everything you want to ask about sex that you don't know otherwise how to ask. I'm going to be telling the story. So I know I have the permission to tell it out loud. I am in a group. There are 10 of us. I don't know any of them except the host. And a guy gets a card and it says, part of myself I need to break up with. And he starts to talk. And, you know, there is the card and then there is the the framing card. There's the prompt and the frame card. And the frame card says that I've never told anyone or something like that. And he starts to talk about how he always thought of himself as street smart, but he actually finally needs to own up with the fact that he's also brain smart and he's done all these degrees. And but he still he needs to let go of that idea that that's not him. And I just kind of say, where did you study? And he says, in Eastern Correctional Facility, where I spent the last 40, 24 years. And on continues the the conversation, what program, how did this have, you know, who would have told this, just because we're standing there with a glass of wine in hand, you know, on the deck, and all of us, it was like, this is when you have a moment when you see the serendipity, and the frame of the game come together and you hear a story that gave him also a way of telling it that that made sense and not just you know there was a reason to tell us this not just because we're just asking and where do you live kind of thing situations like that are you remember them you don't remember what you ate at that dinner but you sure remember the story that you heard
0: yeah I mean that's just I mean i'm just sitting i'm just sitting with that in terms of what you just shared around ah, how it's just so
2: the humility the humility you know that another guy got the card you know a myth about sex that i that i need to let go of or that i grew up with and starts describing his you know his childhood in australia and the partner is looking at him like you know never knew any of this you know a guy we've never met and he gets a card i need to try harder And he starts to talk about how he doesn't stand up for himself and how this affected his marriage that just dissolved recently. And an eight-year-old gets a card. It was like a thing that I want, but haven't said out loud. And then she finally tells her mother, I wish that you would sometimes say more positive things to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was like one thing after another. So sometimes the game is you know, very funny and sometimes it's actually not funny, but you know that you're in some altered state you're not in ordinary mode you're in poetic mode you're in permission mode you're in play mode
1: we'll get right back to the chat
0: over the course of the past few years goop has been collaborating with celebrity cruises and dreaming up unique getaway experiences for the wellness obsessed traveler with GP as Celebrity's new well being advisor, they're set out to redefine luxury travel by incorporating holistic well being experiences into their sailings. And this fall, Goop is rolling out a special onboard wellness program. They're sending some of their favorite practitioners on select celebrity sailings throughout the Caribbean. They'll be leading workouts and teaching classes on mindfulness and spirituality. Also, if you book an aqua class stateroom on most celebrity sailings, you can check out the goop-approved tools that will be hand-selected for you. You can check out the goop-approved tools that were hand-selected for your in-room fitness menu. There's an acupressure mat that's designed to press and massage hundreds of acupressure points across the body. And there are two more products, the Infinity Roller and the Align Dome that can help make your time on board even more restorative. When you're finished with those, you can head to the spa cafe where they're serving a special goop smoothie. You'll also be able to experience on-demand fitness classes with a couple of goop's favorite teachers on most celebrity sailings. To learn more about the goop experience on board and book your sailing, head to celebritycruises.com goop.
1: Okay, let's get back to the conversation.
0: What you just said, the words altered state. I think are two really powerful words and is an important thing to call out, because I think that's, that's the thing about play. It's like, even why do we go out for dinner or to a date? You know, it's, we're looking to be in an altered state because sometimes we're like, why do we want to play a game? I think the adult logic is like, I don't have time for games. As you said, I'm an adult, I need to be serious, but you know adults look for altered states all the time there's so many we have like an inner craving for that so
2: i think that you could say that when you know play is the other side of productive right what the goal of play is the, is is to play there is no other goal in playing maybe winning but winning is a part of playing this is a social game so it it the mechanic is such that there is no winner the winners are the best stories but I think what happens to us is that, you know, we develop into a self that is often, you know, constricted somewhere. It's like we we, and we hope that we have other situations. That's part of why we drink so that we can loosen up. We can open the boundary a little bit. We can, you know, feel more relaxed, feel more free. And play offers that. It gives you an as if, you know, it was contained in the play. And when the play is over, that's it. You can go back to that other reality. You know, it's why people had a Sunday. It's in order to separate what is called work and productivity and efficiency and task orientation to a state of being where pleasure is the measure. I mean, the goal of play is to enjoy the play. So you just
0: created a a connection between play and productivity, I want to throw in the word pause, you know, you did a post recently on Instagram talking about, you know, the importance of idleness, the importance of being still, not doing anything, releasing yourself of demands. And how and why do we need
2: pause? For the same reason that you need shivasana in yoga <laughs> pause is integration it's the same reason we sleep sleep is integration especially for little ones you know not only so we need times of output and then we need times of rest it's probably one of the greatest inventions you know was the idea that the seven days a day of rest the sabbath you know you don't produce you reflect you take in, you integrate, you are to be, you connect with others, you commune, you go poetic, if you want. And I think that it is, especially in our society, where we are so achievement oriented, you are what you do, and you are measured by what you have, and what you earn, and what you own, the notion that you are enough when you're not doing output when you're not productive, that life has meaning, that there is nothing else to do, that you're not responsible for a moment, that you're not accountable, that you don't have to do, you can choose to do. And if you do less, it's perfectly fine. And if it didn't get done, that means that you wanted something else. Those notions that I have associated in this post with vacation, but I also think it's the other side of where we find ourselves especially hardworking, professional people who may or may not also be parents, have partnerships, have companies, you have companies. We're accountable all the time, you know, and we feel responsible and we feel like we can't let people down. And it's like your body is lifted, you know, you like the physicality of this. It's like you're on alert. You're, you're constantly like this, you know, and this is idle. It's like when you hold the kid and the kid just Mm. snuggles and nests on you and lets himself or herself or themselves drop and just, you know, being held up by others. That whole notion that goes with idol, I think, is very, very important. And that is not about mindfulness and it's not about meditation. It's about being, and connecting to other parts of our existence that are more aesthetic, that are more poetic, that are more artistic, that are more sensory, it's very different from what has entered the realm of production work measured, what you can measure. You know, I used to call it the erotic because it is the stuff that makes you feel alive, that, is, that connects you to vibrancy and vitality. And the erotic is completely unproductive. It's a radiant interlude. Idleness is a radiant interlude.
1: We'll get right back to the chat. Throughout the
0: years, the editors at Goop have featured the work of a number of incredible health practitioners. From energy healers, to nutritionists, to Reiki masters and health coaches, I've always found their work fascinating, and I'm often curious about their origin story, to hear how they got into their particular line of wellness. The answers have been as varied as the people themselves. Some worked in traditional medicine for years, others used to be in finance and made the pivot after burning out. And for some, it started as a side hustle before they decided to make it their life's work. But they do all have one thing in common, a deep commitment to helping people feel better. If you've ever been curious about becoming a health coach or wellness entrepreneur, if you've been frustrated by some Western medicine options in the past, or you just wanna do a deep dive into your own well-being, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition offers an online training program that could be a great place to start. One of their core tenets is bioindividuality, which is the idea that no one diet or way of living works for everyone, and that we all have unique needs. Their course covers the whole gamut teaching nutrition, nutritional science, coaching methodologies, business and marketing skills, and personal development tools. The program is designed to fit your schedule. You can choose from either their one-year program or their six-month accelerator program, and both programs support English and Spanish speakers. They have audio and visual lectures and online libraries full of supplemental lessons and resources to access a free online sample class and learn more about their current special offer, including how you can save up to 35% on tuition, visit integrativenutrition.com goop. Listeners will also receive a bonus gift package when you enroll. Again, that's integrativenutrition.com slash goop.
1: Okay, let's get back to the conversation.
0: A lot of people are not in relationships, are single. And you know somehow for me as we're talking about idleness, I can't help but think of people who feel like they have a lot of time alone, maybe feel like they've maxed out that ability to be singular and to be idol and are craving something more how do you where can you begin within yourself if you've reached that point how do you connect there
2: i think that when we divide the world with in people are in relationships and people are single we are basically implying that in relationships mean in a romantic relationship of two (laughs) generally means of two, not of three or four. Or and that that is the privileged relationship. And then there is single, which actually their aspiration is to want to be in that kind of relationship and that they are alone and i think that that may not be reflective anymore of what goes on and I, i've actually written quite a bit about it in the last weeks singleness is also a choice and it's also sometimes a temporary state today i'm in a relationship tomorrow i may not and today i'm not and tomorrow i may be but a lot of people who are not in a romantic relationship are in many relationships they have deep family ties deep social ties and they are not alone and a lot of people who are in a romantic relationship may have a partner but they are actually socially disconnected and often feel very alone and don't nurture their friendships enough etc cetera, etc cetera. so i think the question is really more how do we straddle today our aloneness our loneliness and our connection
0: that's
2: right and there are some of us who may be alone but are not lonely we may be alone as in we are not part of the framework romantic relationship committed romantic relationship or dating in this moment we have a lot of us who may be in a partnership but feel deeply lonely (laughs) and then you know to me the issue is that we need all three some people have lost themselves in the context of being with somebody else. Some people, in order not to lose the other, lose their own sense of self. Some people are afraid that if they go to another, they're going to lose their sense of self. And so they shy away from being in a more intimate connection. An intimate connection doesn't mean necessarily a committed relationship. You can have a committed relationship that's not intimate and an intimate relationship that doesn't yet have a long-term commitment attached to it. I think we really need to use these things a little bit more fluidly. But what I do know is that no matter where we are, we need the connection. Some of us more, some of us less. We need friends. Friends are different from partners. <laughs> we need partners, partnerships that exist within a larger social network that supports us. And we will continuously straddle the balance between togetherness and separateness, between freedom and commitment, between between what is mine and what is ours. And especially this year, where those who have lived in a partnership with someone 24-7 locked in have had to really rethink what is mine, what is ours, what's the space in between, what's the bridge we cross.
0: Yeah, that really resonates for me. And, you know... <laughs> again, it, it make it makes me feel a sense of hope because even the question I asked you, I think was very linear, you know, when in fact my state of being is, is not linear as someone who has different relationship constellations and, you know, been very much outside of the one-to-one relational dynamic and really have found that, Especially as a gay person, you know, my biological family versus my chosen family. My chosen family has provided me with relational comfort when I have not been in a relationship when I was going through my
2: it's also, I mean, I fall in the trap too, you know. I think the, your life is much bigger than the categories that you're using to describe it because it and they're biased categories and they are all traditional categories that we've all been seeped in. And so we think like that, you know, in a relationship and single. And single means alone, and it means lesser, and it means incomplete, and it means, you know, doesn't have a, hasn't reached the goal that everybody has, which is to be with somebody. And I myself have to peel that off. It's easy to hear it when somebody else makes the the slip. But, you know, I'm not free from the same responsibility at all.
0: There is a deep simplicity to being alone and, and I'm realizing how to choose to be with someone, to choose to have a child or to have, have these responsibilities. They are responsibilities. They're accountability contracts. They're, they are spaces of constant demand. And it's not about being selfish, but has, has a deep desire for, you know, inner excavation and, Play without interruption, let's say. Yeah,
2: solitude for solitude.
0: Yeah. But the power, I, I think up until this last year, I don't think I understood the allure of solitude.
2: And some of us want that more simple, structured, ritualized, controlled devotion. And some of us thrive on greater variety in the full sense of the word variety it's not less devoted it's energetically different some people first need to fill themselves on the inside to then be able to go with a full tank into the world and some people fill their tank by being in the world Mm. Mm. and there is no better or on this one it's really two different ways to engage with the individual and the collective back and forth
0: how how are you filling your tank right now what are mm-hmm. you doing to play like how are you doing that right i mean now? i
2: definitely played and laughed when i was creating the game it felt like I am in touch with that creative process like we would come up with wicked cards and stories and it like I went through the human condition and I looked at every vice and every it was really not a game that was meant to be earnest and just share vulnerability it was about the full tableau of the human condition you know but how I play I think as you were talking And about relationship and single. So I I did go away for the first time for more than a month. And I went the first part with my husband and the second part with my friend. And that in itself was a fascinating choice to realize that, you know, you as as we're discussing here, that while you are in partnership, that doesn't mean that there are certain things you don't just want to go and do with other people, friends. And it was such an interesting contrast to the kind of travel I did first and the kind of travel that I did next. And what I did are the things that I love to do. I hiked, I biked, I swam. And most importantly, something that I really needed to recapture is I read fiction. I read novel upon novel And I hadn't been able to do that during the pandemic because I couldn't leave my reality. I felt like I was too anchored into making sure that my world is okay. Whereas when you read fiction, you have to leave your reality and actually you surrender completely in the worlds of others and you don't want anybody to interrupt you. Leave me alone, let me finish my book. And that was one of the greatest pleasures of this summer is that I just reconnected was I was finally able to be calm enough inside that I could be swept into other people's stories, and I think that that was one of my recharge. I, I mean, a good novel tells you a story that you cannot capture in the in, in just with regular conversations. It 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 allows you to to go into depth, detail by detail of characters. It's like long-term therapy rather than a short consultation. So I really, really enjoyed that this summer. I enjoyed being away. I think that recharge for me is when I am speaking other languages, when I'm just, other parts of me come to life in other places in the world. It's when I end up just dreaming. I think recharging is also when you dream, you think about the life's not lived, the other options, the things you still want to do. And you just meander. You let your mind wander without feeling like you have to make decisions. That Mm. is a recharge. It's, It's playing with possibility without having to commit to anything. It's very recharging. You know, it was about seeing people that I hadn't seen in two years. I think that even last night, you know, we came together a few people and as we were talking, you could see some said, you know, I haven't been in a dinner at a table with others like that in i don't know how many months i have not seen people move i have been primarily alone i mean you you, we really want so much to make it like we're right in there right back and that nervous system of ours that body of ours that has just been like this for so long you know, it's open, you know, it, it's what she, she used it as like a, a thing that opens up, you know, that image itself was what I was imagining is happening to our to our bodies. And that's what's recharging us. And some people recharge more privately and I recharge more in social context. But I, I, I think the concept is how do we how do we fill the tank and beauty fills the tank nature fills the tank you know art fills the tank it's that it's not more working hours that's for sure
0: (laughs) it is not more working hours that is a hundred percent for sure but i also in terms of what i was able to kind of hearing you talk about how you were able to fill your own tank it's like a reminder for me too i think you know i i find myself spending more time just with idle thought and being really imaginative, knowing that that actually does make me feel a lot better. And I spend a lot of time singing. Singing is a really great outlet for me. You know?
2: Absolutely.
0: You know, I find I hum or sing just like through the day. And sometimes I don't even know I'm doing it. And I feel like so many Black women I know in my life and have grown up around do a similar thing. I think it's, it's just a constant, reset somehow
2: i'm so glad you brought in singing no it's a reset but also singing is such a it's a voice it's a i exist it's i hear myself it's i it's freedom it's assertiveness it's it's rebellion it's so many things go into into singing it's deeply intimate it's when you're alone in the shower singing it's i mean i i I, singing or playing an instrument but singing is your own voice is the instrument absolutely i'm so glad you brought it up
1: We'll get right back to the chat. Of course, I think the scientists and product developers at Goop are pretty awesome, but I have to say they've outdone themselves with the new Gut Microbiome Super Powder. It contains probiotics, prebiotics, and digestive enzymes. It was carefully formulated to support a healthy gut, reduce occasional bloating, and promote healthy and normal bowel function. The powder comes in small sachets that you can mix into any cool liquid. We purposefully made the powder unflavored and unsweetened so that it tastes great with any kind of smoothie. Or you can simply mix it into an alt milk or water and you're good to go. I'll tell you a little bit more about these ingredients before I get to your promo code. There's a clinically studied dose of probiotics plus prebiotics and digestive enzymes, as mentioned, and then we have also included the amino acid glutamine to nourish intestinal cells, plus a concentrated extract of aloe vera, which is traditionally used for its soothing properties. The ingredients in this product are brilliant. I've been drinking the Gut Microbiome Super Powder daily for a while now and have noticed such a great difference in how I feel. I hope you'll try it out for yourself. Just head over to goop.com gutpodcast At checkout, enter code gut20, and you'll get 20% off your super powder box. That's goop.com slash gut podcast. And use code gut two zero. Make sure you shop by September 21st. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Okay, let's get back to the conversation.
0: One thing I wanna do before our conversation tapers off is I'd love to pick one question from the game and Mm -hmm. have us volley it back and forth for you is, what is the best date or the worst date you've ever had?
2: We have to admit that it's been a long time ago, but (laughs) I think that some of that, anytime I would think about best date, it would be because it wasn't a date. It would be somebody I met on a plane, In a line to something in front of a painting at a museum at a concert, and we started talking and that talking moved into you want to take a walk or you want to have a drink or you want to meet up or you want to go do this, and it was the sheer happenstance I love the combo of chance and choice. Mm-hmm. coincidence and choice that we're out we're, without knowing where it's going it's the open-endedness mm-hmm. of it that makes me curious that's that wow three hours later here I am mm-hmm. it had nothing of what is called I'm going on a date to check out if this person and I da da da. so all the best dates I had were that and the worst dates I had were were sometimes when I would sit with somebody or be with someone and just have that feeling of you have no idea who i am and you're not curious enough you think you know there was two kinds there's the you don't have no idea and you're not interested enough and then there is the you have no idea because you think you do know and you know nothing and i find that so empty <laughs> i think bad dates are empty stories It's basically terrible plots. Nothing happens. And what happens, you don't want to know. (laughs) So (laughs) you want to get out of the story. You know, a date is a story, like a relationship. We went there, we did this. This is what we talked about. Then it ended like that. And I think a bad date is a terrible story. Who wants to, you know, it's a story you don't want to tell, except it's so bad that it becomes a story you have to tell, you know. But it's it's the the story in and of itself, you know. that, that's my, that feeling like, ooh, you know, accompanies the, the, the oof, oof, oof. It was so, it's, it, the sounds I make are more, more telling about what made it a bad date than the actual, you know, intrigue. But I definitely think of dates as stories. Is, is it a story I love to be a part of? I, I, I like to be the protagonist I'm involved. Uh, okay, What would you be? Do you, have one, do you want me to ask you one, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a rule I secretly love to break.
0: <laughs> a rule I secretly love to break.
2: That you've never told anyone. Oh. Or if you prefer, it's a rule I secretly love to break from your teenage point of view.
0: There's like, <laughs> you know... <laughs> A rule I secretly love to break is not wearing my seatbelt on an airplane when I'm told that I need to put the seatbelt on because it feels, I feel uncomfortable. I know you're supposed to keep your seatbelt on and I'll pretend that I have like clipped it in, but I haven't. And I think I've been doing that since I, I I've started flying pretty young and I've always myself doing that and there's always a really smart flight attendant who will see the blanket over my lap but will see that the seat oh. not <laughs> and she'll be like hey honey I need you to put your seatbelt on and I'll just be like darn I thought she didn't see me so if, if anything and I think talking about vacations and getting away has put me in like a plane state of mind I'm like that was something I would do on a plane <laughs>
2: If I asked you, I wish someone told me blank about sex from your teenage point of view.
0: You know, I wish someone had told me as soon and as early as possible that it's okay to stop having sex right in the middle of it if it doesn't feel good and you want to try a different position or you want to just take a break, you know, I feel like, especially when I was younger in in, in more of a hetero lens of sex, you know, if it's in that deep heat and you know, you're, 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 you're really quote unquote, or your partner is enjoying it. You just keep going. Even if you're just like not feeling comfortable or it's not feeling good. And I, I wish I'd been told that earlier. I now feel a lot of comfort and a lot of power in slowing it down and pulling away in order to find my center and to be able to protect my pleasure. And that's, and that's something that came a little later in life. And so I I wish I'd known that because I think the feeling that I had before I felt empowered around that is if I do that, I'm going to ruin it they won't want me how do I fix it afterwards not thinking about my own needs
2: we could go on there are 230 of them <laughs> I know
0: and I, I, I love talking to you so much it's always such a gift to connect and I, I'm really so happy that you birthed this really powerful tool for all of us to just play with and and connect with ourselves and and each other. So I'm so glad that we could talk today.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning into my conversation with Esther Perel. You can pre-order Where Should We Begin at estherperel.com.
1: Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.